Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, what does Tim Cook know that Elon Musk doesn't? Well, based on the news of this week, it's that investing in self-driving cars is a really bad idea. After nearly a decade of work, two indictments, the departure of a senior executive and unknown levels of expenditure, Apple this week reportedly decided to cancel its self-driving car effort, Project Titan. Apple has, I believe, publicly confirmed the decision by now, but uh, originally unnamed Cupertino, Cupertino Insiders leaked news of the decision to Bloomberg, which uh, originally reported it. News of the decision was apparently a a surprise to the nearly 2,000 people working on the iCar, some of whom are likely to be laid off. Have a happy weekend, everybody. Those who aren't tossed will be transferred to work on Apple's IA, sorry, AI projects. The IA ones probably would be more interesting, but there you go. Project Titan was launched hmm, nine years ago. Most people knew it to be a self-driving vehicle project. Little else about the initiative was ever divulged, according to the British tech journal, The Register. A price tag of $100,000 per vehicle was sometimes mentioned, as was the ambition to achieve level 5 autonomy, a car that requires no human input to drive. In 2022, weather reports suggested Apple had decided some human controls might be needed. As for how nearly a decade of work on the project went, that's unclear. In 2016, it was believed Apple had narrowed its focus to embedding self-driving software in other automakers' vehicles, but a study of Apple patents that same year suggested Apple had filed at least... Oh, sorry, in 2022, that study of Apple patents suggested Apple had filed at least 248 for car parts that suggested to some observers like it was trying to build a full automobile you know like a thing with four wheels and everything bumpers apple also suffered from a leadership shuffle over the nine years of project titan which likely didn't help the initiative so if you want to help apple self-driving car you have to build one yourself and now very early in this week's broadcast, the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. A stand-up comedian hired to play Willy Wonka at a widely criticized chocolate factory experience has spoken out after furious parents demanded refunds. Willy's chocolate experience organizer, Billy Cool, C-O-U-L-L, Cool, cool, cool. Apologized for his, quote, vision of the artistic rendition of a well-known book that didn't come to fruition. Unquote. He offered 850 people their money back before closing the experience last Saturday in Glasgow. One parent complained of arriving to find a, quote, disorganized mini-maze of randomly placed oversized props, a lackluster candy station that dispersed one jelly bean per child, and a terrifying chrome-masked character that scared many of the kids to tears. 
unquote. That parent, the Wonka impersonator Paul Connell, spoke to the British newspaper The Independent about how the chaos unfolded. Quote, I'm constantly applying for more acting jobs and got a phone call on Thursday saying, congratulations, you're going to play Willy Wonka. Dress rehearsal is tomorrow. The script, he said, was 15 pages of AI-generated gibberish of me just monologuing these mad things, unquote. We were told to give the kids one jelly bean each and a quarter cup of lemonade. No chocolate at the chocolate factory. There was supposed to be a chocolate fountain somewhere, but I never saw it. Organizer Billy Cool director of the immersive events company House of Illuminati said, quote, I'm really shocked the event had fallen short of the expectations of people on paper. My vision of the artistic rendition of a well-known book didn't come to fruition. For that, I'm absolutely, truly, and utterly sorry. Unquote. Toyota, Toyota, I say, apologized this week for an incident involving the fraudulent certification of its diesel engines that resulted in a corrective order from Japan's transport ministry. Results of an on-site investigation determined test engine control software had been illegally rewritten to calculate engine performance incorrectly. Toyota had found irregularities during horsepower output testing. The performance was measured during engine control units running software that differed from that used in mass production. Toyota said using the wrong software meant test results produced values that appear smoother with less variation. They stopped shipment of the vehicles with affected engines in late January. Quote, it's extremely regrettable that this fraudulent incident could seriously undermine the credibility of the designation system and undermine the credibility of Japan's manufacturing industry. The ministry declared in its corrective order, Toyota was given a month to fix the error. The fraud is believed to have occurred for decades. The BBC has apologized for the way it handled a complaint about its presenter, what we would call an anchor, <laughs> Hugh Edwards, Hugh with a W. Sure, allegations about his behavior were made May of last year, but didn't reach senior managers until the 6th of July, the corporation said the complaint was not escalated quickly enough and that it has now changed its processes. More escalation, please. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen, the copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Once again this week, I'm involved in a motion picture, and so the rest of this program will feature highlights from the recent past of Hello, Welcome to the Show. Call me angel, maybe next 
Tchau, Agradeço. It's not a document, but it's uh, wow. secret. It's very secret. No, you can't look. Well, don't get any closer because it's, it's secret. I could, I could uh, declassify it if I was still president, but I'm not. So, but look at this. I mean, isn't this cool? This, I mean, it's not cool no. because I don't have it. No. But if I did have it, look, look mm -hmm. at what it would say. Mm -hmm. Because wow, yeah. I mean, this is this is well, that's this makes my case, and I don't even have a case. That's the thing. Yeah, there's no case here. Mm -hmm. And I look at it, mm -hmm. and I, you know. I mean, I, I know you didn't 
No. You, you didn't believe me before, did you? Well, I did. But now you do. No. I... And that's the thing, because mm-hmm. I need to be believed in. Well, you know? Yeah. I don't want to sit here and have people not believe me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't spend four years as, as president for that. No, of course but, not. But, I mean, this is the most secret thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And... Look, here, see, read. Yeah. No, no, mm-hmm. don't read, but I mean, look look at the uh, markings mm-hmm. on the paper mm-hmm. and just imagine what it would say if you read it. Yeah. Yeah. No. So. Direct from the virtual trading floor of Corium Stockholm Oliver, this is Mind Your Own Business Financial News from the Dollar's Point of View. I'm Mike Ducinello on the virtual trading floor. The distance between startup and shutdown just shrank big time this week as the CNN Plus streaming app went from premiere to derriere at the speed of the light, going out. The conventional wisdom on the street had always been that CNN Plus was a newspaper that thought it was a magazine. But as things turned out, it was a dumb idea that thought it was a business. Also this week, Netflix stock tumbled like a hippo on a staircase. All in all, it was a bad week for media which depend on viewer subscriptions. And in a sign that inflation was not just eating away, but actually devouring discretionary income, Netflix announced it might start including advertising in its video offerings. That must be music, if not catchy jingles, to the ears of this week's guest in the startup spotlight, who's been talking to Sylvia Meal Argent at the Money Honey Desk. Thanks, Mike. Zane Moray has been experimenting on the human brain since at age 13 he forced his younger sister headfirst into a toaster oven. Today his work is a lot less dangerous, unless you're in the advertising business. Zane, just what is your new company, Brain Flush, all about? Well... Sylvia, anybody who's got a laptop or a cell phone knows what it's like to be attentionally challenged. It sometimes feels like our brains have been colonized by over-talkative aliens. <laughs> and you know what? What? I mean, I, I, I know I read the press release, but sincerely, what? Well, that's pretty much what's been happening over the last century, right? I mean, think of how long that's been. Listen to these folks at, at uh, my house the other day. You say, Jax... The foaming cleanser, da 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 da, da floats the dirt right down the drain, ba 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 ba. Oh, I'm the man from Texaco. I work from Maine to Mexico. I love my job of something in your car. Those are 75-year-old ad jingles. Why should they still be in the brains of senior citizens? Because they're catchy? The jingles, I mean, not the brains. Exactly. These are my wife's parents. They were Mm. high IQ people in their youth, and now their memories are filled with slogans and jingles. So the over-talkative aliens you mentioned are... Are the people in the advertising business. That's right. Well, I didn't... See, I, I was looking at surveys of Americans and what kind of general knowledge we know and comparing that to the public in England and Holland and a few other countries. We're like at the bottom. Hmm. The places in our brains that should be containing knowledge are filled up instead with slogans and jingles and brain flush is designed to fix that. Hmm. Is it pills or some kind of treatment or what? 
Good question. It's as simple as wearing an augmented reality headset, except that it's not building a fake location in your head. It's very precisely targeting the parts of your brain that contain ad material. The software that enables that function, the brain flush algorithm, is, <laughs> is really what we bring to the table. The hardware, at least right now, actually is an augmented reality headset. We bought a whole bunch from Facebook and redid the inside. Is there any danger that words used in ads could be zapped on their own? I mean, wouldn't they just disappear from your vocabulary? No, 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 no. In the in the phrase, luckies taste better, cleaner, fresher, smoother, mm-hmm. the only thing wiped from the brainscape would be the phrase itself. You'd still have access even to the word luckies. Hmm. Finally, Zane, has there been any reaction from the advertising business itself? Well, about 80% of the agencies have gotten together to produce a rebuttal that denies they want their stuff in your heads for any longer than the duration of the campaigns. Mm -hmm. And the other 20%? They're competing for our account, thanks to some serious investors. Brain flush is going to be all over the Internet come this fall. Zane Moray, thanks for sharing the latest in Learned Forgetting. Mike? And for this week, that's all for Mind Your Own Business. From the virtual trading floor, I'm Mike Tuccinello saying, this week, mind the business of someone you love. So long. Government documents, the supreme expression of power. You don't have to do anything with them or about them. Just holding them in your hands can make you feel like you're king of the world. Hi, I'm Donald Trump, America's 45th president, and I know a little something about government documents, and now I want to share their prestige and power with you. Imagine holding a folder full of everything from routine memos to papers just recently classified by my very own mind. Now you don't have to imagine. Trump Pax takes a randomly assembled collection of government documents, reprints them on 100% government quality paper, and sends a randomly selected group of them straight to you for just pennies a page. Put them on display in an important part of your house. Bring them out to thrill and impress your dinner guests. Or... Just enjoy them in the comfort of your private space. Collected and presented in our presidential-like folder, Trump Pax makes the perfect gift for your most hard-to-please friends. Or keep them and treasure them, unless they're subpoenaed. There's power in every page, importance in every line. Until now, these papers were only available to totally cleared officials. But now, through a special arrangement with my lawyers, they're available to you through the number one source of 100% guaranteed official government documents, me. But you gotta hurry. This special offer might not last forever. And here's the best part. Every order is specifically randomly selected from the Trump Pack supply. So... No two orders are alike, but our superfine government quality paper is in short supply. So order your Trump packs in the next 10 minutes and be sure your government documents arrive before the holidays. Call the number on your screen or for even faster service, just call your screen direct. Trump packs, there's importance on every page. 
You're welcome. The treatment of these um, government documents continues to uh, fascinate. It seems to reflect a sense on this president's part that he can do whatever the heck he wants to do. It must inspire a certain amount of envy in others. On a related subject, President Nixon has gone to heaven, and he's still taping. So, uh, Murrow, Mm -hmm. Cronkite, Brinkley. All still dead? As far as we know. Mm -hmm. Sam Donaldson? (laughs) No, sir, still alive. Damn Damn it. It's almost as if they're throwing that just to screw with me. I'm sure he's not in good health. Never mind. I mean, there's probably some other factor involved <laughs> rather than just screwing you. Mm-hmm. Always a cockeyed optimist. Well, no, it's And, just... of course, Trump is getting away with stealing government documents. Well, we don't know if he's getting away with it. Jesus, Holmes, I mean, if I thought you were going to spend eternity trying to feed me namby-pamby garbage... I would never have told him I needed you up here. Well, of course he's getting away with it. If I had stolen one single friggin' top secret page, they'd have indicted my ass so fast, Trisha and Julie would have testified against me. Trisha, yes. Julie, I'm not so sure. You know, the bitterest part of the pill is that Trump is no genius. No, I I know. He just doesn't give a damn about rules and regulations regarding government documents. Yeah, he just throws them all together. Time magazine covers. Mm -hmm. Who saves that crap? Just trivial ephemera. Yep, yep. Total ephemera. Yep. Thing is, though. Not that trivial, as it turns out. Thing is, that's exactly what we should have done. With the goddamn tapes. Well, sure, but... We were the good little boys who kept them all filed and dated and organized chronologically and so forth. Just like we were supposed to do. Well, the, the Navy people actually did the filing. No, so, no, no, but that's just the point, Haldeman. Hmm? We followed the rules for storage of government documents. Imagine the reaction of the damn judge if we just said, Oh, Your Honor, we don't know where all the tapes are, but here's a box with a few of them and some old clothes and some marked-up copies of foreign affairs and such and so forth. Oh, he, would have... he subpoenas them and... We find a few more such boxes with a mislabeled tape and a Dodger's uniform and some photos of Pat back when she looked presentable and such. Mm -hmm. We turn them over to the court, and meantime, we're shipping most of the tapes the hell down to San Clemente in paper friggin' bags. (laughs) See what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what bugs me, Haldeman. Trump turns out to be the smart one. I don't know about that. No, of course. We indexed them and dated them. We should have just labeled them something like laugh-in outtakes. <laughs> Crap like that. Mm-hmm. Carted them right out when we left town. Yeah. Although they weren't those big, wide videotapes, so... So who knew the difference back then? I suppose. I'm not blaming you, Alderman. <laughs> I'm blaming me. I cared. That was my problem. I just cared too damn much. Yes, sir. You're probably right. Yep.
This year marked a sort of turning point or a couple of turning points in America's longest war, the war in Afghanistan. Uh, earlier in the year, the administration announced there was going to be a, well, not the administration, the guy at the top of it, announced there was going to be a pullback of American troops from Afghanistan uh, because we were told pretty much at the same time that the Taliban and the United States special representative who were meeting together in Doha over uh, many months, uh, Zalmay Khalilzad, uh, were reaching some kind of an agreement. And then later in the year, we learned that maybe we should ignore what we were told earlier in the year. From Afghanistan Public Radio, watch for our move into podcasting as soon as we've mastered radio. From the abandoned American television truck in downtown Kabul, the city that makes its own gravy, I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Habib. We are Ham and Mam, the no longer corrupt brothers. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the newest edition of Cars I Talk. Well, my dear younger brother, mm. it's a new year, except for our Chinese brothers. Yes. And maybe something new for our beleaguered nation. Uh. From your mouth to our engineer's ear, my younger brother. <laughs> we have had in this country a monarchy, a shaky democracy, mm -hmm. two dozen kinds of dictatorship, and me. Well, we could always try honesty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I tried it. The Americans made me try it. It almost got me killed. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> when the warlords like honesty, we'll have some of that. Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Hello, this is Alme, a long-time behind-the-scenes peace negotiator, First-time caller. Zalme, I remember you when you worked for the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. How's that Celica I sold you? Oh, I sold it. It's now a police car here in uh, Kabul. A police car? Yes. That thing couldn't go faster than 40 when it was brand new. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're chasing very poor crooks. <laughs> <laughs> or very slow ones. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Uh, uh, let's take another one before the truck runs out of juice. Hello, you're on Cars I Talk. Uh, hello, this is Mitch, a longtime Senate Republican leader, a first-time caller. Mitch, it's an honor to have on our program someone who talks slower than my brother thinks. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, as I understand it, you uh, are a supporter of your president, but not of his plan to withdraw American forces from our country. Sounds a lot like your old supporters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think very highly of our president's accomplishments regarding his domestic agenda. Mm -hmm. We've lowered taxes on the hard-working Americans who've given the most to their country in the form of contributions to us, and we've unleashed the creation of a lot of new jobs, whether they be uh, blue-collar, white-collar, or maybe even no-collar. Uh, Mr. Leader, mm -hmm. what uh, no-collar, what kind of jobs would those be? They would be automated. Computers don't wear shirts. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, they very well could be automated. Mm -hmm. uh, when you take the fetters off the great economic engine of the free market, there's no way of knowing who it might run over down the line. You're president doesn't usually react very well to disagreement by a member of his own team. What did he say to you privately about your motion in the Senate? Uh, the president, as you point out, never hesitates to make his position on an issue clear 
for however long he may hold that position. But he also understands that my motion was in the spirit of the strong Republican tradition of John McCain and Lindsey Graham and many others, and he's perfectly willing to let us blow off some steam in this particular manner. Meaning he pays no attention to what you say. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell you this. I'm reliably told by people in the White House that he certainly does pay full attention whenever I'm on television. (laughs) That would be good enough for me. Thanks for the call. (laughs) We had help today from our friends at the Afghanistan Lottery, reminding you none of our numbers is lucky. Legal services for cars, I talk. From the law firm of Ketchum and Newcomb, I'm Mahmoud. And I'm Hamid. Join us next time we preempt a rerun of ourselves for a new edition of Cars, I Talk. This is APR, Afghanistan Public Radio.
magnificent basement of the even more magnificent Mar-a-Lago estate. Even I'm impressed, and I own it. Hi, I'm the 45th President of the United States, and this is where some of the most important documents of my presidency are kept under lock and sometimes even key. Until now, you'd have to be a relative or an international business partner of mine to even see a list of these documents. But now, thanks to a horrible seizure, not mine, I'm fine, many parts of this invaluable collection can be yours for a price that even I think is way too low. Welcome to the Trump Collection. From not even secret to more secret than even I know about, it's all here. Letters to world leaders, weapons codes, confidential commentaries about female officials, reprinted directly from the originals and printed on 100% extra nice paper just for you. Frame a Trump document to fancy up any room. Use them as placemats for a super swell dinner party or place them where you do your regular reading. Take it from me, the Trump docs turn every home into a little Smithsonian. In the recent past, you'd have to be a world leader paying six figures to have access to this one-of-a-kind collection. But now, thanks to legal proceedings, we're still challenging. You could own a page from the Trump collection for as little as $100 a month. But this special offer won't last forever. If you don't believe me, just ask the judge. We'll send you the complete list of what's in the Trump collection, and with your online order, we'll rush you by return postal delivery, your piece of the greatest period of American history since the 2016 election. So rush your request for the Trump collection list before midnight tonight, and you'll be enjoying your souvenir of greatness before the grand jury is even seated. And if anyone asks, tell them I sent you. Don't worry if I deny it. That's for your protection. So act now. Like he said, act now. People are standing by. This is BBC Newsreel. I'm Chris Albright. One man who knows Alan Dershowitz better than most, though not as well as many, served as his client two-plus decades ago. That's when Dershowitz served as part of a so-called dream team that earned O.J. Simpson an acquittal in his widely viewed murder trial. Mr. Simpson is on the line now from Florida. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Mr. Simpson, some now many years later, how do you view Alan Dershowitz? Well, Chris, I was around show business for years. You... You know, you get to know a lot of Jewish people in that line of work, and I never met a more hard-ass Jewish person than Hirsch. I mean, he didn't just take off all their, you know, special holidays, but the days leading up to them. I used to tell Johnny Cochran, Alan's got to be going to heaven with all the extra praying he's doing. <laughs> At least I think it was praying. Of course, attorneys, especially successful ones, take on a wide range of clients. Did he ever talk to you about his other clients, particularly Jeffrey Epstein? Well, he, he did call me up once from uh, from the private island. He said, Juice, this is what you need, some place where you do exactly what you like with who you like, or something like that. And did he tell you what he was doing there? Well, 
he told me they had the slickest floor shuffleboard setup he'd ever seen. I mean, pucks that lit up as they slid up and down the board, stuff like that. He said, Juice, you could have a ball calling these games. You know, he, he was kidding and all. I only ever covered football. I, I tried covering a baseball game. I called one once on a on a dare from Howard Cosell. Obviously, since he helped you get acquitted, one can assume you admire Mr. Dershowitz? Admire him. I still owe him money. But do you think he would be an objective observer of the trial of Mr. Epstein's alleged partner in crime? Well, I'll tell you this. Durst will tell you exactly what he thinks. He's not a guy who shaves off the sharp edges to be nice or anything. He once told me I ought to buy the property Cato Kalin was renting so I could evict him. <laughs> he said, Juice, even the people renting near you need to be classy. I mean, that's how much he cares about his clients. So if you were the BBC, you would have no problem interviewing him about the Maxwell verdict? Hey, Chris, I've known a lot of smart lawyers, you know, for uh, contracts and uh, other stuff. And uh, Alan's one of the smartest. He'll tell you so himself. Former footballer O.J. Simpson on the line from Florida. Thank you for joining us on the Newswheel. My problem. I mean, no pleasure. Accident? Injury at work? You want results, and you want them fast. Hi, I'm Mitch. Most injured lawyers wrap you up in months of delay-filled litigation. 
Sure, you might get a nice settlement at the end, but that's your life that's going by while you wait through a trial. Jury selection, witnesses, documents. Who's got the time for all that? That's why at my law firm, we cut to the chase. You might not get the biggest settlement, but you get it now before, before the injuries, injuries turn, turn to memories. At McConnell and McConnell, we're not trial lawyers. We're get the thing done lawyers. If witnesses have something to say, they can say it at your check signing ceremony. Mitch got the judge to skip almost the whole trial. I don't know how he does it. I entered and left the court for good on the same day, thanks to Mitch. Thanks to the McConnell Law Firm's strategy of tight coordination with the defendant, you can focus on healing, not testifying. And Mitch passes the savings right back to you. So here's the pitch. Just call Mitch. McConnell and McConnell, not licensed in all states. Your experience may vary. Testimonials by paid actors. Don't bitch. Call Mitch. He'll take the try out of trial. There were so many follow-on events from the COVID-19 epidemic. So much had to be canceled. So many people were out of work. Among the many businesses trashed by the epidemic, of course, was the cruise business. And one of the cruises canceled featured a um, a known figure from the recent past of public radio. And that cancellation had reverberations. Well, sure, it's been a quiet week in Lake Reverie, Minnesota, my hometown. Of course, they've all been quiet weeks, last couple months or so. Ever since, as uh, Peg Lundgren down at the Catbox Cafe put it, town curled up and hibernated. All except for Father Sarnquist down at the uh, Seven Norwegian Barbers Memorial Lutheran Church. In his spare time, Father Sarnquist is uh, something of a history buff. He was a fellow discovered a couple years ago while he was researching the microfiche files of the Lake Reverie Advertiser, the Town Weekly, that the community's name was a corruption of the original Chippewa name of the lake, Rev-a-ri-la, which apparently meant in the Chippewa language, lake where white people eat processed meat at picnics. Then earlier this year, the place was rocked by Father Sarnquist's revelation, his word for it, in a Sunday morning service, that the traditional origin story of his church's name turned out to be a historical error. Seems he'd discovered in a batch of letters that the terrible boating accident that was memorialized in the name of his House of Worship had only killed six barbers, and only five of them were Norwegian. Now he was busier than in 2007, back when he'd had to redo a bunch of baptisms after they discovered the plumbing problem. He was preparing, with the aid of the church's organist Marjorie Sorgard, to march on the state capitol get the church reopened after what he called the crony virus thing. He'd done a month full of sermons on this theory, which if you haven't already heard about it, 
says the virus was created by Chinese people in the Department of Health and Human Services in order to sell more Chinese masks and gloves. Some weeks, the people in the theory worked at the CDC, or FEMA, instead. But the gist of the story remained rock solid. Marjorie Sorgard played a particularly fervent version of Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence after his final sermon in the Crony Virus series, which you could only see if you had church book live. And after they switched off the camera, she said to Father Sundquist, in a voice that echoed throughout the empty sanctuary, Father, I just got a vision of us at the state capital, getting this church back open. I'll make up some placards and do my social media thing. Because this house can no longer be empty of souls besides ours and the boy from Honduras. Mr. Malmstrom at the Pick and Grin Hardware said the radio guy came in one day, picked up and examined a really nice set of screwdrivers. Then he up and put them down and walked out. He said that screwdriver set sure would have paid for a new rain gutter. I myself heard Father Sarnquist call you a libertine in the middle of one of his crony virus sermons. The kid sighed heavily as if he'd just finished reciting some hip-hop lyrics from memory. Well, the radio guy just sat there, listening to the arrhythmic ticking of the Fred Flintstone clock on the wall of the hotel's combination office and breakfast room. Then he sighed, and he said to the Gustafson kid, I guess this won't be as easy as I expected. I guess I'll pay for four nights' deposit on the pillows. That's the news from Lake Reverie, Minnesota, where time stands still, and so does everybody else. We know what you're going through. We're going through it, too. They're saying it may be over soon. But right now, it's a new normal. And there's nothing normal about it. Some of us are losing loved ones. All of us are missing the lives we loved. We are America's advertising community. And we are hurting, too. Like you, we're adjusting. We've bought hundreds of pianos just for these messages. And when this is over, and it will be over, you can rely on us to be back at full strength. Yelling, not whispering. And selling back those pianos. We're with you now. And we'll be after you soon. A message from America's advertising community. Where truth is just the beginning. One of the most remembered, if not well-remembered, parts 
of the uh, President's Act in the spring. There was uh, an afternoon where he speculated that uh, bleach might be efficacious. And, of course, there was a long-running campaign that he was waging, apparently uh, at the with the encouragement of the trade representative. We would know a lot about medications, right, Peter Navarro? And uh, other reports suggested Rudy Giuliani. That was a, a preparation, a, a malaria drug called hydroxychloroquine. Say it with me now. No, don't.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week, same time, same radio station, or on your audio device of choice whenever you want it. Hope to uh, be in contact with you then. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and uh, other stuff, even more up to date. Lots of great stuff to read, listen to, and dare I say it, enjoy all yours at harryshearer.com. A tip of the show shampoo to the San Diego desk to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh and WWNO New Orleans. This week's program was produced and edited by Tom Roche. The show comes to you from Sensory of Progress Productions. It originates through the facilities of WWN on New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City.